Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message. But before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together. Uh, Philippians 4, 17. Uh, you don't have to turn there. We'll be turning uh, to some others, but that's the hallmark verse of talking about money. And I want, and I want uh, for me, I want to share it once again, that Paul said he's not seeking the gift. He's seeking the fruit that abounds to your account. And that's my heart's cry too. As I preach on money, I'm not seeking a gift. I'm not seeking extra. I'm not trying to rend anything out of your hand, pull anything from you, do this dramatic emotional pull that if you give now in the next five minutes that God will forgive you and save you from your sins. That's just garbage talk and it happens on television, right? If you buy this holy water and this special cloth that there's a special anointing on you to live your life, it's garbage, okay? Don't buy that stuff. But I'm not doing any of that. I'm just telling you, I'm not seeking a gift from you. I am seeking the fruit that abounds to your account when you understand sowing and reaping tithes and offerings, and generosity. When we understand these principles, things go well with us because of biblical principles, amen? And so I'm teaching the whole, I'm trying to, as I can, I'm teaching the whole word of God. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hit all the subjects, even the touchy ones uh, that some people shy away from. We gotta talk about all of it. It's important. But if you've been uh, serving the Lord for any length of time and you've been a giver, you'll found out really quickly that he fulfills this promise. I mean, stuff happens all the time, amen. I just recently uh, found found a, heard out heard heard a story from a friend that was believing God uh, for a major move, uh, believing God for going to school, doing all this stuff, just all this stuff, and and he's like, okay, God, I need some more money. Like, there's got to be money that comes in for this. I'm obeying you, but I don't know where the money's coming from. And he just found out this week that uh, this raffle that he entered, he won a brand new car. And he's like, oh, so that's how you're going to do it. Okay, that'll work. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's just God will just do all kinds of stuff for you, right? Now, take that with a grain of salt because three or four people were like, Powerball, Idaho, here we come. That is not what I'm talking about. But God will help you to get positioned in places so that he can put things into your hand to be a blessing, amen? And that can come in many different ways. Don't put God in a box. Let him do what he wants to do, Amen. So that's, that, that's what we're believing. So last week, we talked about um, sowing and reaping. And specifically, we talked about reaping. But we talked about like Genesis 8.22, right? While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, they shall not cease, right? So that means seed time and harvest is on that list. And so for, until Jesus comes back and fixes the whole thing. And I'm convinced even in the thousand-year reign when we're with Jesus, we're going to see seed time and harvest as long as the earth remains. We're going to see sowing and reaping. It's a God principle. It works naturally and spiritually. Amen? And so we've got to know that if we're going to reap something, that means we would have had to sow something. Yes? And so we've got to be just as good at reaping as we are at sowing. And we talked about how tithing is returning to the Lord's and offerings is our seed into the ground. Super important to understand that principle. Start where you're at, right? Wherever, wherever you're at, start where you're at. If tithing is a stretch, Work your way toward tithing into the kingdom of God. And then as you increase and blessing abounds, then start setting aside and seeing God give you seed to sow. Amen? Because he said he'd provide it. 
He's the one that provides the seed. He's not even asking you to come up with it. He's saying, if you're willing to sow it, I will put seed in your hand. And it's our job to discern, is that seed or is that bread? Is that for our eating? Is that for the family? Or is that something I'm supposed to sow? And he'll show you what it is. Amen? You all want to be sowers. That's true. He's the seed giver. So we have to ask ourselves if we want to reap in an area, if there's an area we're believing God to reap a harvest, have we sown in that area? Have we sown? Amen? And so when we talk about uh, reaping, reaping is work. And this is all from last week. Just a little, just a little rerun, right? A little rerun. We can, you can handle reruns, can't you? A little rerun. If we're talking about reaping, it's work. We have to understand it's work. Sometimes things come in just because we're following the Lord, like, like winning a car. Well, thank you, Jesus. That's just a nice little blessing. But most of the time when we're sowing and reaping, there's a work side on the reaping end of it. There's something God has asked us to put our hand to, put our attention on. There's something he wants to do through us as we set our hands to things because he said that whatever we put our hands to will prosper as we follow him. Amen? That means your hand has to be to something. That's more than the Samsung remote control. Right? So we've got to put our hand to something. Amen? And so he wants us to reap. He does want us to reap, and we've got to get good at reaping. But it requires some work. So... We saw a little bit about how that works in, in the Israelites taking ground. When God promised them the land, said, that's yours. That's a blessing. That's for you. You're going to eat from vineyards that you didn't plant. You're going to eat from fields that you didn't seed. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. I'm giving you the promised land, but you've got to go in and take it. Amen? And so there were some groups, some of the tribes, they didn't go in. They didn't take it. And there were others that said, oh, yeah, we're on it. We're on it. And they got busy so fast that they just took too much, and they were able to give some to their their fellow tribes, their fellow neighbors, amen? So I don't know about you, but I want to be in the bunch that's just so busy taking ground for the kingdom that you just look up one day and you're like, wow, wow, how, how did we get so full, so blessed? How did this happen? What, come, here, come here, come over here. I got some extra for you. Take some of this, take some of this, amen? Don't you want to be in that group? So that that's, takes effort, takes work, and it takes a fight, a spirit of fight. And trust me, it's in you. It's in you. You may not have developed it, but you, it's in you. The spirit of fight and the good fight of faith is in you. So I'm encouraging you to, to stir that gift up and go after the things of God so that you can receive what he's given you and put in your hand. Amen? Reap and take some work. Say it with me. Reaping, Reap take some work. Take Amen. And we're going to be good reapers, aren't we? For decades, we've been, come on, some of us in this church for a long time, decades, we've been good sowers. We've been good. We've seeded. We've sown. We've seen the kingdom of God come to pass. We've seen God do some great things. But we need to be equally as good at reaping in the kingdom of God, bringing things in, calling things in, amen, and seeing God bless that and increase it so that we can, in turn, be better sowers and better givers, amen. That's what God's called us to do. So we're going to talk today about generosity, generosity. Everybody say generosity. Generosity. Definition of generosity, uh, just in Webster's, is liberal in giving. It's open-handed. Liberal in giving, just being open-handed. Yeah, have that. Take that. Now, I get challenged in this in my life as a dad because I've got three girls. And if you've had kids ever, ever, they are always asking for your stuff. I mean, you buy a nice candy bar that you're looking forward to. You make a nice sandwich. You get something done, and they're like, hey, can I have a bite of that? It never stops, right? Come on. So I get challenged in this on a regular basis. And I've had to check myself because I've been a little stingy sometimes with the, that Philly I just made. And it's hot and it's good. And I sat down and the girl's like, ooh, can I have a bite? No, go away. <laughs> Come on now, are you hearing me? We got to learn this stuff. We got to learn this stuff, how to be generous. And, and we do it with our kids. We start by, by teaching them because generosity is not 
uh, is not something you just inherit. It is a learned, caught trait. Your kids will be as generous as you are. It means open-handed, liberal in giving, marked by abundance or ample proportions. You ever been to a restaurant and they give you so much food, you're like, glory, this costs eight bucks. This was eight bucks! Can you believe that? I need a to-go box right now. Just bring it over right now. You know what I'm talking about, the restaurants where they give you too much and you get to eat it for two days. Thank you, Lord. It's ample proportions. This is what generosity is. And this, the synonyms, the same words, big-hearted, bountiful, charitable, free-handed. These are all synonyms, similar words to generosity. But then there are antonyms, opposite words to what generosity are. Cheap, selfish. How about this one? Stingy. Ugh. You don't want that on your tombstone. Here lies stingy. Right? I mean, that's the last thing you want on your gravestone, isn't it? I mean, nobody wants to be called stingy. God, God wants us to be generous because he's been generous with us. Amen? He's been generous. First Timothy. Turn over to First Timothy with me. First Timothy, the sixth chapter. You know, when we travel, I don't know how you guys like to travel, but when we're on the road, and we were on the road a lot this year, we did some fun stuff, saw some things, went to some conferences, got blessed, was able to be a blessing. But when we're on the road, we typically, and me, this is me specifically because I cannot include my wife in this, uh, I, buy, I like to buy snacks, and it's, it's usually a bag of M&Ms. There's peanut M&Ms, peanut butter M&Ms, there's M&Ms. And my kids like them too. Caramel m M&M, and come on. M&Ms. And I don't like M&M's across the board, but when I'm traveling, peanut M&M's just, it just does my heart good. And, and so my kids, my kids also, I will buy them stuff. And, and, and I buy them things that they want because I like the variety. So I want to try some of, what, some of what the kids have. That's what I like to do. But there's this kind of ongoing battle, and they're learning that when I ask, hey, pass your dad some of that candy. Pass your dad some of those M&M's. They're like, oh, this is the only bag I have. And... You know, it's this nature of I got to save what I've got. I got to hang on to it. It's going to be gone soon enough. I don't know if I can let it go. And we've had this conversation more than once. Listen, this is to your detriment because what you're doing is you're being stingy with the very one that can supply you all the M&Ms that you could ever want. If daddy wanted to, I could fill the car with M&Ms full. We could do it. They're like, could we do that for real? No, it's unsafe. <laughs> but, but I could. Full to the top. And you're being stingy with the very one that provided you with the M&Ms in the first place. And they're like, hmm. And the oldest one's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the middle one's like, what, what? Little one's like, I don't get it. <laughs> we just pick them up from the store, right? You just take them. So little by little, they're learning, okay, okay, okay. If I share with dad and we run out, we're going to stop for gas again. And they have M&Ms at every gas station in the country. Amen? And so we've got to get to a place where when God is asking us to step out in faith and he's asking us to do something and you get an impression or a prompting from God to step outside of your comfort zone and maybe do something bigger than you've ever done, it's for a reason, and it's not to require or take something from you to subtract, to divide. It's for a future event of adding and multiplication. And we got to be just as smart as the 14-year-old figuring it out in the back seat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even buy this. Okay, have as many as you want. 
right? Are you hearing me? We got to be good at this, where when God asks us, we should rejoice. Ooh, this is an opportunity right here. He's asking me to participate in kingdom business, to sow seed into the ground, to watch it flourish and bring a harvest back into my life so that I have more capacity to obey when he says bigger numbers. Amen? See, as Christians, we've got to get better at thinking big like God. Because we start talking about church numbers, a church building, a church project in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, dare I say millions of dollars. And some church folks go, come on, do we really need millions? I mean, they just don't even, you don't need all that money for church. Come on now. But we're just, what the problem with that is thinking is that we're thinking our size of house and our size of budget, and we're not thinking God's size of house and God's size of budget. And we got to think bigger. We got to go beyond what we think and how we process and how we calculate and go, okay, God, what are we, what are we a part of here? This is, big, this is way bigger than me. And we got to get our heads and our minds and our spirits around the idea that God wants to do something big in this house with our church to impact the community that's way bigger than we could ever do individually. So when we start talking numbers, and we start talking bigger numbers, and we're going for bigger numbers so that we can grow and we can increase and we can build, then it's going to require us to think bigger and not get offended at something like a big number. Are you, are you listening? Amen. That was a little extra for you. <laughs> Where are you at? 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. It says this, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Now listen to me. We need to declare and decree as Americans in a faith way right here. We need to say, I am rich. Can you say that with me? I am rich. Some of that was like gravel in your mouth. Let's try it again. I am rich. Come on, we got to agree with God. We are in the richest country on the planet. And I realize that's relative, right? Because you're not making two cents a day. I understand that. However, God wants to do something for us, in us, and through us for the kingdom of God. And we got to declare and decree. This is it. So this is Paul talking to Timothy, and he's telling the pastor of this church to talk to the rich people in his church. So there are rich people in Timothy's church. He says, tell the rich in this present age not to be haughty. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I don't mind being a part of this boat. Do you? I'll take this as advice. Tell them not to be haughty. Not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good and let them be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. That means tell them that they're, they're to be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, to be extravagantly generous. Thank you, Lord. So the question is, is if God's asking us to be givers... He's asking us to have a heart of generosity. Why is it that as believers, we don't get more excited when it's time to give? Why don't we take that that time when we sow and, and give more excitedly than we do? It should be, for us, it should be thinking so drilled down inside of us that when there is an opportunity and we are prompted by the Spirit of God to give into the kingdom, we get giddy giddy like yes this is another chance 
another opportunity prompted by the Spirit of God, not something I just thought up, but something God put on the inside of me, to sow into the kingdom, that means he's causing the increase. That means there's a harvest coming. When we get to giving time, when we get to writing the check, when we get to putting it in the box, when we get to just talking about sowing into the kingdom, we should be like, yes. This is a powerful, supernatural thing that we do when we give of our resources into the kingdom. Most people just give enough just to irritate themselves, you know? <clears throat> just enough to get irritated, right? We should, we should get past that and get out of irritation and into excitement. Yes, this is an opportunity. Thank you, Lord. We got to be conscious of their giving and, 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 and conscious of what we're doing, conscious of the generosity of God. Amen? We're, we can't be thinking subtraction. We got to be thinking multiplication. This is what God wants us to think, just like a farmer thinks. We sow this, we're going to reap way more than, we sow, more than the seed we put in the ground. We put seed in the ground, way more comes up than the seed that we sow. I mean, if it's just even, what's the point? Farmers wouldn't do it. If they only made back what they put in, what's the point? There's got to be increase. Our God is a God of increase. He's a generous God. Amen. So look at uh, Isaiah 32. Isaiah 32, verse 8. If you don't have this highlighted and underlined, put it in there and get it. Make sure it stands out. Isaiah 32, 8. But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. A generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. The complete Jewish Bible says it this way. But the generous person devises generous things, and his generosity will keep him standing. His generosity will keep him standing. Come on, that's a big deal. When you, are, when you are a generous person, you are deciding, and it takes a decision. Listen to me. It takes a decision of your will to say, I am going to be, from this day forward, a generous person. I am no longer tipping 10% when I eat at the restaurant. That stingy guy is gone, right? I'm tipping 20 or better, and it doesn't matter how good the service is. Because it's not about what they earned. It's about my heart of generosity. Come on now. If you only get what you deserve, you're in trouble. Come on now. We got to bring this out inside of us when we are in the community, in the world, being kind and generous with other people. Amen? A generous person devises generous things, and by his generosity, that will keep him standing. That's a big deal. In Matthew... Uh, 26, verse 6, it says this, and I can read this, you can turn to it, it'll be up on the screen. It says this, and when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly, fragrant oil. And she poured it out on his head as he sat at the table. And when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why, why this waste? For that fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me, for you, have, for you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil out on my body, she did it for, for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. 2,000 years later, I'm reading a scripture about a woman who took a year's wages worth of oil came to Jesus and poured the whole thing out on his head. 
And Jesus didn't say, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Let's not be wasteful. We could save that. No, he said, this woman will be remembered for this forever. So while Jesus was getting beaten and tortured and hung on a cross, the fragrance of that oil was a remembrance before Jesus, that someone was generous with him and honored him before his death. Think about that. The fragrance of God on him because of generosity, where Christians, religious people, would say, that's a waste. That's extravagant. Why would you do that? It was an honor, and it was generous before Jesus. Are you hearing me? God thinks differently than we think. He owns it all. He doesn't mind an extravagant outpouring when it's done with generosity and in honor. It doesn't bother him one bit. Are you hearing me? It's a different way to think. And we've got to get there if we're going to walk in this provision that God wants us to have. Amen? I remember, um, I remember a few times in my life uh, very well about giving, sowing a seed outside of my normal giving. Big numbers. Numbers where God prompted me to give. I mean, these are things that stick in your mind. But one, one occasion I remember uh, we were at Cheesecake Factory, and the Lord just prompted me to, to um, pick up another table's check. Somebody that we knew, but just wanted to do it for him. And <clears throat> it, was, it was fun. It was, it was one of the biggest checks I've ever paid. <laughs> um, but I, I, I asked my server to ask their server to come so I could, I could talk and ask if I could pick up the check. And she came over, and, and I told her, I said, I want to I pick up the check for that table. And she says, well, somebody at the table already pulled me aside and said they're paying for the table. And she said, I, I, um, I usually just take the first person that asks me. I said, okay. I said, um, what's the largest tip you've ever gotten working at this place, ever? Like, roughly, <laughs> roughly. She was like, um, biggest tip, big table, 100 bucks. Okay, you're going to get the largest tip you've ever gotten, ever. And I know that table, after I tip you for paying for the check, they're going to put cash on the table. You're going to make extra. I know it for, for a fact. And she goes, okay, I never do this, but you sold me. <laughs> That's how you win the argument. So, so I knew that one was going to be a big one. I knew it was going to be a big one, but I was okay because I, I, I was prompted to do this. So we just doubled her best ever. We doubled her best ever, and she was floored, and it was fun. But then my server was like, you know, she didn't say this, but I'm thinking she's, she's going to feel like she got gypped. She's going to feel like she got gypped. So she got the same tip. It was a big bill. And I was smiling the whole time. Thank you, Lord. Because when you get prompted to be generous, be generous. Come on, money comes and goes. It's so fast. It's so fast. Come on, just drive across the street and fill up your tank. It's so fast. (laughs) It's so fast. But being generous, come on now, those two ladies, they will remember that the next person that asks them, what's the best tip you ever got? They'll remember. The best tip they ever got. Amen? I'm not going to forget it anytime soon. I'll tell you that right now. When you have, when you have given something and, and you have stretched and you think about it for weeks. When you give and you think about it for months. If you've given a gift so big, it's years you remember. It's impacted you. It's made a difference. If your giving doesn't affect you much, don't expect your harvest to affect you much. 
If your giving doesn't affect you much, don't expect your harvest to, to affect you much. Come on, when we stretch, and I'm not saying every server and every restaurant and every, you know, but you're prompted by the Spirit of God to do something extravagant, to do something generous. Obey. Obey. Amen. There's times in my life I've written big checks. Big checks. And I remember them. And that seed's working. And I've received harvest on some of that seed, and it's still coming in. Are you hearing me? Big harvests because of big seed. It's called being generous. You can do it too. That was too quiet. Okay, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I'm not telling that story to brag on myself. That's one of the biggest ones I've ever done. And I'm, and I'm grateful to the Lord because I knew it made an impact on them. We were able to talk about the Lord. They were able to talk about the Lord. There's, just, there's an impact on being kind to people that opens the door of people's hearts when you're generous. Have, have the willingness in your life to stretch beyond something you've ever done and watch God open doors for you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> One of the greatest lessons that breaks the control of money off of our life is generosity. Come on, if you feel like you're just too tight-fisted with money, you feel like maybe you got some stingy you're trying to work out, generosity will break it off of you. And it is, listen to me, it's a spiritual thing. To be, to be stingy and selfish is a, is a spiritual thing. It will hold you up. And I'm going to say something real strong. You need to hear this. Your, your giving, your ability to be generous is tied to your spiritual growth. I'm going to say it one more time. Your giving, your ability to let things out of your hand, to be generous, to give, especially as God prompts you, especially as God prompts you, your ability to do that with faith and willingness is directly tied to your spiritual growth. There are things in your life that will hold you up. You will not grow beyond until finances becomes not a thing in your life anymore, until it doesn't control you anymore. I'm not talking about being frivolous and wasteful and, and poor decision-making with your money. I'm saying that we tell the Lord, God, I've given you my whole life, and you know what my bills are, and you know what a stretch is and what isn't. So I trust you. And when you say give, I'm obeying. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 9 says, God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. That means when you, when you are prompted to give, and you do give, and it's hard, and it's tough, and it's, it takes all the faith that you can muster to obey God, you still got to do it with a yes, yes, this is working. This is a God opportunity to sow into God's kingdom. This is a big deal. I'm, I am happy, prompt, and cheerful giver. We got to muster it up. Amen? It's a decision. It's a decision, but God loves a cheerful giver. Come on, don't ever let yourself give grudgingly. Don't ever let yourself give out of compulsion, being pulled and drawn. Never, 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 never. If you know you're supposed to do it, do it right. Do it with the right heart. Get your heart right. Make the adjustment on the inside and then obey and watch God work. And I'm telling you, he's looking all across the globe for people that will hear him and obey him. And it is a big deal. It's why I'm preaching on it. Again, I'm not taking an offering. I'm just telling you, this stuff works because God needs it to work in the kingdom. He needs sowing and reaping to work. He wants it to work in our lives so that he can show himself faithful in those that serve him. And then we can step out and help get the job done to see Jesus come back. Amen.
The Amplified says, let each one give as he's made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart. Not reluctantly, sorrowfully, or under compulsion. For God loves, takes pleasure in, prizes above all other things, and is unwilling to uh, abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. That's the Amplified. It's a mouthful, but man, is that good. Man, is that good. He loves it when we're cheerful givers. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 out of the Moffat translation, which you probably don't have in your Bible right in front of you, but it says it this way. One gives away and still he grows richer. Another keeps what he should give and is the poor. A liberal soul will be enriched and he who waters will himself be watered. Isn't that interesting? One who gives away is made rich and one who keeps what he has is made the poorer. Why? Because your Gener- your, uh, your increase and your growth and your development is tied to how you sow. And if you're hanging on to seed and you're not sowing it in the ground, you'll actually go backwards. You'll not get richer, you'll get poorer. If you keep it saved in the savings account and God has said, give some of that away, sow some of that into the kingdom and you won't let go, you will not increase. When we let it out of our hand in obedience, God brings it back on many waves. It's just wisdom from the word that we understand this and do this. Are you hearing me? It's so important we get a hold of this. Watch what God will do when you become a generous giver. Prompt to do it, quick and cheerful. Watch, watch. And I encourage you. Make sure you're listening to the Lord because he will prompt you to give. He'll give you specific numbers. He'll give you specific times, specific people, ministries, missionaries. Build. He'll give you things to sow into and say, that's where your harvest is. You're sowing into that and your harvest is coming back. So every time we give, every time we give, whether we give it to church, we give it to a missionary, we give it into a building fund, we give it to a neighbor God's prompted us to give. We are giving that not to an organization or an entity or a person. When God says give, we are doing is as unto the Lord. Amen? That means he gets to show us where the harvest field is. Because as a believer, we don't extract or require harvest from, from the person we gave it to because that's not really who we gave it to. Even though they enjoyed it, they used it, we're actually giving to the Lord. Amen? So our harvest is from him in a field of his choosing. He says, here's your harvest right here. And you'll think, how in the world did those connect? How did he end up getting me a harvest over here when I gave clear over here? How did he do that? Because he's God. Amen? So we got to trust him for the harvest, not try to exact or extract payment from them whom which we have given. That's not, that's not given as unto the Lord. That's a loan. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. God is faithful. Can you take a little more? Thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Do you know you can actually give your way into abundance? You can give your way into blessing. You can give your way into provision. The world says, how in the world do you do that? It's a God principle. I'm not just throwing money out the window. I'm not just giving it to whoever asks. I am following the Lord and sowing seed into the ground. And you're giving yourself into abundance. It's amazing how it works. If we'll think this way. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
I heard, I heard a minister say it this way. He says, when you sow, the minute you sow it, you give it, your seed is marked, it's labeled, sparing or bountiful, little or generous. It's labeled, it's labeled. And the seed and the harvest never gets confused. You're never gonna sow sparingly and then just accidentally get somebody's generously accidentally get somebody's bountiful. It's not going to happen. And on the flip side, you're never going to sow generously and bountifully and then accidentally get sparing, ever, ever. The seed is not confused. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, when I sowed this seed, was this sparing or was this bountiful? That's between you and the Lord and nobody else. That's it. Amen. It never gets confused. <clears throat> There's a story about a corn farmer who was raising award-winning corn and winning the blue ribbon corn year after year after year. <clears throat> Each year he entered his corn in the state fair where it won first prize. One year a newspaper reporter interviewed him and learned the farmer's strategy for growing winning corn. What is it? It's simply this. The farmer shared his seed corn, his prize-winning seed corn, with his neighbors. And the reporter says, how can you afford to share your best seed corn with your neighbors when they are entering the corn competition with yours each year? And the farmer says, well, don't you know that the wind blows, upon, up, blow, the wind blows and picks up the pollen from the ripening nation and steadily degrade the quality of my corn? If I'm to grow good corn, I must help my neighbors grow good corn. Come on now, this isn't about just us. This is about helping others. As we learn learn these things and help each other and grow each other, it helps everybody. Thank you, Lord. See how, how unselfish that is? How not stingy that is? Open-handed, liberal. Hey, have some of my prize-winning seed corn. I want you to have good corn too. Who thinks like this? I'll tell you, kingdom-minded people think like this. People that love the Lord and follow his principles and his ways of doing things, they think like this. Come on, say, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, amen. Thank you, Lord. So here's the question. How do we become generous? How do we get there? How, do we get, how, how is it that we get to a place where we're generous? We have to make the decision that we're going to be that way. Now, you remember Zacchaeus, right? He was a, a, a tax collector. He was a cheat. He was extracting more taxes and more revenue than he should have, and everybody knew it. He was... Not a good fellow. And yet, he got a hold of Jesus. Remember the wee little man, the wee little man? He got up in the tree. Jesus saw him. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have dinner at your house. <clears throat> and in one evening of having dinner with Jesus and spending time with the Lord and seeing how good-natured and kind and generous the Lord was in everything that he did, Zacchaeus just spontaneously stands up and says, if I, if I have cheated anyone, I will repay him. I'll repay him fourfold. He's going to pay back all the stuff he cheated. There's something about that came over him. Something that came over him by spending time with the Lord that he says, I'm going to fix it, I'm going to make it right, and I'm going to be generous about it. Are you hearing me? Something about spending time with Jesus and God's people and just being in the word and just knowing how good he's been and, and how generous he's been to us. When we were not heads, he was good to us. 
when we were faithless, he was faithful. I mean, come on, something about just understanding this will bring a heart of generosity into you. And you're knowing it is not lose, it's not leaving my hand for very long. There is a harvest coming for my obedience to follow God and to be generous. Amen. Amen. We see it again with David. So I'm going to show you this real quick in 1 Samuel 22. 1 Samuel 22. And then we'll wrap this up. 1 Samuel 22. Thank you, Lord. David's running from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. David's anointed king. He's going to take the place. Saul has lost his mind trying to kill God's anointed. David's hiding out. And David, verse, verse 1, uh, 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of, of Adullam. And so when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Verse 2, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So David became captain over them, and there was about 400 men with them. Distressed, in debt, discontent. God, is this the only bunch you could bind me? I mean, come on. Nobody's got anything. Nobody's got any money, got any strength. These guys are distressed. They're in debt, and they're discontent. And these are the men that God brought to David and are later called David's mighty men. David's mighty men. When they got there, they were a mess. But David knew God. David knew how to give. David knew how to give offerings. David knew how to praise. David knew how to hear from the voice of God. David knew how to go to God when he was in trouble and get instructions. And 400 men that followed David were like, yeah, this is the guy. We got to follow him. We will trust God. We will follow him. We will follow the man of God. We're going to win battles. We're going to see victories. We're going to see increase. We're hanging with David. David became the captain of the disastrous bunch and made them and turned them into, by following God, God's mighty men. It's amazing what God can do with a mess. Now, turn over what happened in First Chronicles. Turn over there real quick. This is what happened. First Chronicles 29. Look at this. This is David, and he's given into the kingdom. And it says here in the first part of the chapter, in, in from one down, David gave to the house. He says in verse 2, Now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might. This is what David said. In verse 3, he says, And I have set my affection on the house of my God, and I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. David gave in today's money, this is, this is conservative, one and a half billion, b -b billion dollars in, from his own personal treasure into the kingdom, into the, into the building of the house of God that God tasked David with, said, you're going to build it, then he sinned. Right? And God said, you're not going to build it. Your son is. So, you know, it got taken from David, but his son was going to build it. But David gave to the house one and a half billion dollars from living in a cave and having nothing with 400 guys that were a mess to so much stuff. They got to bring it in on ox cart by the line. I mean, long line of stuff to get it there. God took care of David. And then David in verse five says, he turns to his men. 
Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? And they said, okay, we're given too. And, they, and the, his mighty men and the people, they gave and they gave and they gave. And the people that were with him gave two and a half billion, b-b-billion, in addition to what David gave. These are the guys that were distressed, discontent, and in debt. They were a mess. And now they're so rich, they're like, back it up. Let's get the truck. Come on. They're just two and a half billion in today's dollars. This is what God will do when you get around people that know God and are generous. God will get stuff to you. Are you hearing me? There wasn't stingy right here. This was generous giving. God, you gave it to us in the first place. You can have all you need and all you want. Here it is. Amen. You'll never get there unless you decide, I'm going to do God's principles. I'm going to follow his word. I'm going to get around other people that are generous. I'm going to hang out with people that know God, and I'm going to be generous too. It does you good. I love hanging out with generous people. It's fun. It's fun. I got, I got friends that have money, and they, they are generous. Generous. It's fun. It makes me want to be even more generous than I am because I know how they got there. They started with little too. They begin to walk in the principles of God and see what God would do. And as they continue to be generous, God continued to pour out blessing. And they continue to be generous. Amen? I mean, it's easy to say, God, if you give me a million dollars, I'll give you half. Well, that's it. Anybody take that deal. Anybody take that deal. But if we're not willing to give now, you won't give half when you get there. Come on now. Are you listening to me? We got to be a people that are generous. And it's, it is not something that comes naturally. It's something we find in the word and we go after. I don't know about you. I just want to be more and more generous with people. I want to bless them and love on them and see them come to know Jesus just because we just let go of a few dollars that'll get replaced anyway in no time just to be a blessing to somebody. Amen? Are you guys okay with that? I know it's a challenge. I know it can be tough, but start somewhere. Because the beauty of this is, is you can be generous no matter where you're at. No matter what you have in your hand, you can be generous. Jesus watched over the offering and saw a widow put in two mites. Half a penny was two mites. Half of a penny was two mites. And she put in all that she had. And she said, he said, that's, that's a generous woman. She's given all she has. So no matter where you're at, you can be generous. Find somewhere to be generous with someone. Listen to the voice of God. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. When it's two bucks, when it's five bucks, when it's 10 bucks, don't scoff at that. If that's what you got and God's prompting you to give it, give it, give it, be generous. Watch that five will turn into 20 and that 20 will turn into a hundred. And now God's talking to you about a thousand and now God's talking to you about 10 grand and then God's talking to you about 25 grand, but you ain't getting there until you start with five, 10, 15. Are you hearing me? Come on. This isn't just about acquiring wealth and money. That's not what I'm preaching. If that's what you're hearing, your ears are plugged up. I'm talking about generosity in the kingdom so that we can grow and increase like God wants us to, so that we can be a blessing to people. That's what we're supposed to be. And, God, and people will look around and they'll say, look at that bunch that loves God. Wow. How did they get there? We can tell them. We just saw it in the Word. We saw it in the Word. We sowed seed. God brought the harvest. We reaped it. We brought it in. We were generous again. And we kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And there's just no end. There's no limit. There's no limit to what God can do. There's no ceiling on your life. It's only us and how we think and how we respond to the word of God. That's it.
That's it. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com slash connect and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us and remember, Jesus is coming soon.